Have you ever wondered why you aren't really enjoying sex? Or if you'll ever be able to be comfortable with your body sexually? Well, in this podcast, Lala Loves and I are getting into ways that you can tap into your sexual confidence. Hey there, I'm Erica, and I'm the creator and host of the Next Step Nonstop podcast and an international purser and flight attendant. Welcome or welcome back to my channel, where I release a podcast episode just like this one every week, giving you insights about relationships, careers, wellness, and travel from experts and everyday people so that you can use our life lessons to enhance your lifestyle. Be sure to write a review wherever you're listening to or watching this episode because it helps us find and connect with people just like you. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for entertainment purposes only. So Miss Lala Love, can you introduce yourself to the Next Stop Nonstop family? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So I am Lala, the founder of Lala's Bedtime Tales, which is a sexual wellness and liberation brand. I am a sex, love, and relationship coach and sexual health educator, along with erotica writer and erotic storytelling podcaster. And one of my (laughs) and one of my main goals is to empower women to feel confident and sexy in the bedroom through erotica, sexual health education, women's wellness, and sex and love tips. Love it. So basically what that means is we're going to learn some tips and tricks today. That's what that means. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get right into it. So what does sexual confidence mean to you? Yes. So for everyone, sexual confidence will look different and be defined differently for everyone because we all have different lived experiences, perspectives, ideologies on sex and sexuality. However, from a sexual wellness perspective, Sexual confidence can be defined as loving, understanding, and feeling comfortable in your body, knowing you're worthy of respect, pleasure, and common decency, and being confident to demand what you want, like, and deserve in the bedroom, as well as being able to have those important sexual health uh, conversations with your partners about consent, barrier methods, birth control, STI, disclosures, and testing, and of course, my favorite fantasies and kinks and Mm -hmm. anything you want to try in the bedroom. I love that. Okay. So let's, let's get into it. So you kind of touched on what sexual confidence was and why do you think sexual confidence is so important for women to have? Yeah. So sexual confidence is super important to being sexually healthy and having mind blowing sex. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So having sexual confidence allows you to engage in sexually, mentally, and physically healthy activities to explore your sexuality and enjoy your sex life. So if you're intrinsically happy, love, and respect yourself, you will expect the same treatment from your lovers, your intimate yeah. partners, your sexual partners, your sneaky links, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. and, and you won't shy away from educating your partner on sexual health tactics, not allowing shame and others' opinions to surround your sexual yeah. interests and experiences. 100%. So it's super important to hold yourself in high esteem, developing that self-respect, knowing your self-worth and that you are more than just engaging in sex and knowing that you're more than just engaging in that sexual act. Like it should be pleasurable. It should be enjoyable and you should engage in it mindfully. And in order to do that, you have to have the sexual confidence. 
to go in and speak to your partners and to own your sexuality. I love it. I love every bit of that. So let's actually get into that a little bit. So how did you actually get into the erotica and the liberation space? So yeah, so what got me into this space was actually unfortunately, so I'm going to go back. So I experienced, so I had a sex positive parent, what we call sex positive parent. So my mom, I could always go and talk to her about sex and we could always talk to her about anything. And she has a social work background. So she always taught us good touch, bad touch and all that. Unfortunately, in my formative years around the seventh grade and in high school, I experienced sexual assault. And I just closed down inside of myself. So I didn't really talk about sex with anyone. Like I didn't want anyone to talk about it. Didn't want to be touched, any of that stuff. And I got really into romance novels. And a lot of those, I I don't know if my mom knew what her (laughs) friends were reading, but they had a lot of sexiness and spice. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. So like sex can be this fun, exciting thing. And women can enjoy their sexuality. And then I even remember, you know, in high school and stuff, like everyone would like, you know, girls especially would police themselves with the slut shaming and all that. And we're, we don't really have good sexual health education in schools in America. Yes. Yes. So no one talks about pleasure. And then I had Dr. Jennifer Scott, who's a sexual counselor on my YouTube channel, do an interview. And she said something that really stuck with me. People don't teach us how to have platonic relationships, let alone romantic mm. relationships most of the time. Oh, that's and interesting. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's accurate. And so, yes. And so I, you know, grew up and even though I had this parent I could talk to, I didn't want to talk to anybody about love and sex. And that really impacted my relationships. And then around COVID time, I had ir- issues with endometriosis and PCOS and vaginismus, which I didn't even know women could have sexual dysfunction if they hadn't had any children. And I really was like, you know what? I don't feel sexy. I feel like no one talks about women's health. They definitely don't talk about female sexuality. And it should be this amazing thing. It shouldn't be painful physically or mentally, and it should be enjoyable. And I didn't see too many spaces where that information was brought out. Like you see a lot of how to please your partner and how to do this. But I'm like, what about a woman owning their sexuality and feeling good about themselves sexually and doing that self-work? And I wanted to create that space. So Lala's Bedtime Tales came. And then Erotica has a lot of mental health and sexual health benefits that I've learned along the way as well. So I wanted to give that to people. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the benefits. Yeah. So sexual health benefits is it changes often how we view sex and perspective. Uh, of sexuality. And then we have the uh, mental health benefits of it can actually improve your mental health because it, it releases those oxytocin, those good feeling Got hormones. It, yeah. Yeah. it allows for escapism, relatability, and then it really helps your sexuality because you can live vicariously through fantasies and learn about different things. And it puts female pleasure in the, you know, the driver's seat. So you can kind of like visualize it and stuff like that. And then women often, we take a little bit longer than men to get started on average with foreplay. It takes about 19 to 20 minutes for most women. To that get sounds about to right. That orgasm. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And foreplay doesn't always have to be physical touch. Like it can start before that. And our biggest sex organ is our mind. So what you'll see is erotica allows for a lot of sensory mapping for women to get that mental state. And it can help boost naturally your um, libido because if you're constantly reading 
sexual content or erotic erotic content, then it makes you want sex more and it helps set the mood. Get you in the mood. Yeah, get you in the mood. I love it. Okay. So that was incredible because, you know, you touched on so many different things and I didn't really, I mean, I understood the benefits, but that's, that's fantastic, right? So you don't really think about all of that as you go yeah. through. So what are some things that you've learned about yourself in the process of helping other women take control of their sexual health and sexual confidence? Yes. So we really need to tap into our erotic selves by sitting with ourselves and truly asking ourselves what it means to be a sexual being, how, how we want to own our sexuality, and just releasing the shackles of sexual shame that's often placed on us, especially as females. And if you look at it from an intersectionality perspective, especially of women of color, how we look at sexuality and fear of being hypersexualized or oversexualized, like just letting go of all of that and thinking in my head, what does it mean for me to be sexy? And how I feel about sex is that my true feelings are how someone has told me I should feel about sex. Yeah. And I've done a lot of self work through that as well. So. I'm glad to hear that. So, okay. So what do you think can be some reasons why women would be hesitant to discuss sexual health or intimacy? I think a lot of it oftentimes is around the fact that sexuality in society as a whole is seen as a taboo, a hush-hush thing. No one should talk about it, even though we're naturally and innately sexual. And I feel like that puts a lot of apprehension around people wanting to talk about it. And then if you're a female wanting to own your sexuality or discuss sexuality, it usually comes with these negative connotations like- Promiscuous, yeah. <laughs> promiscuity and all that stuff. Yeah. And, if, and sometimes as a girl, you can feel like you're ostracized if you're just trying to get any information about sex and sexuality. So I feel like that makes people uncomfortable. And then too, oftentimes, we'll have friends, they'll share their highlight reel with you about their sexuality, but a lot of people won't talk about the, the negatives about it. Like sometimes it's like, I had sex with someone and it was god awful. It was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't you ever want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's interesting because I remember when I was in the high school, right? And I was the only one in my friends group. I think I was like maybe eleventh, twelfth grade at a time. And we would sit around and I would listen to these stories. And I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. And then I think I was probably about 18 when I when I was I was a late bloomer. So my first time I was 18 and Man, it was awful. It was awful. I said, I never want to do this again. I'm like, what is this? So, yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think it starts from a young age, right? So yes. your friends are the ones you probably talk to first. We don't all have, um, you said, positive, uh, sex positive parents. Yes. Yeah. So we don't all have sex positive parents, right? Now, my parents, I think my mom, you can talk to her about anything. And and she was open to discussing it. My dad wasn't as open, of course. And he, he gave me a book. Yeah. He's like, here, take take this book and you you read that. <laughs> you figure out what you're doing there, right? But I think it starts, I think you have to be able to have like aunts or friends or moms or whoever it is to understand like we're trying to figure out our bodies. One, I mean, and this goes from high school to, into college, into young adulthood, right? So you're talking mm -hmm. about trying to figure out what's happening with my body. The older I get, things change. Now you're hitting your 30s. You got some gray hairs where you didn't realize you could get gray hair, you know? So, <laughs> so you got, right? It's just so many things that are changing. And I think not even just like in society, but I think it starts with family and friends. You got to be able to have these discussions. Um, and even like if you have a little cousin or somebody, just, you know, to, to those people out there, 
be open, no judgment, yes. right? It has, you have to have a safe space to be able to talk about this because there's literally nowhere else outside of music, movies and TV, right? So that could, that could go one way or the other when it comes to yes. that, right? So um, you're right. We do need a safe space. We do need people around that can just listen. If nothing else, just listen, you know, give us yes. the real. Because when I was in high school, matter of fact, we had sexual education and I remember they were talking about STDs and I'm like, oh, okay, so let's, let's figure out what this is, this is because we're all giggling and things right in your high school. You're like, Ooh, sex. Ha ha ha. Um, and then they started showing what STDs look like. And so in my mind, that's what sex led to. Now I knew there clearly people had sex and it didn't always end up in STDs, but I'm like, that's, that's not really a great, that shouldn't be the only thing that you're teaching. Right. That that's not really a great aspect to like, okay, don't have sex. This could happen. And then kids go out and have sex and then you have, you know, teen pregnancies and things like that. So it doesn't yes. really help. I think um, there are other countries that are a bit more open, um, you know, whether it be about bodies or just sex in general. Um, and I think we have to work on that as a society for sure. What are your thoughts? Yes, definitely. So I actually did a project over this during my master's program. And actually, some of the most sex positive countries are Canada, um, Finland, and Sweden. And what they do is they do a lot of comprehensive sex education around barrier methods, STI testing and closure, and also they include pleasure. And then something that's important that you talked about, too, was when you like lost your virginity, like virginity is actually a social construct. Like it's not a real thing. And it excludes a larger group of the population that are part of the LGBT community. So oftentimes it should be called a, a, a sexual debut because virginity in society, especially Western society, is considered penis and vagina penetration. And that is such a small part of what sex is. So if you are a women that loves women, by definition, you've never I, technically, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so definitely it's, you know, growing that and being more inclusive of the many different voices that people have when it comes to sex and sexuality. And then also, too, it's important, I think, as well, that oftentimes there's a lot of responsibility put on young girls about don't get pregnant and what happens with STDs, but no one talks about pleasure and everything is like males get a lot of how to please them and talk about pleasure. And it's super normal. And I feel like we need to actually broaden that conversation, bring them more into conversations with consent and about that and stuff like that. And just making sure we're having an equal playing field for everyone to get the same level of education and learn the same. I would agree with that. So let's actually get into that a little bit. When, in your opinion, do you think that young women should be taught about sexual education or pleasure and just intimacy in general? When when do you think those should just start? You should actually start talking to your children about that around potty training age. Interesting. So around two and three years old. It should be age appropriate yes. education, but you should start using anatomical terms. Like you shouldn't be calling it a hoo-ha or your flower <laughs> or your treasure. Yeah. yeah stuff. You should be calling it a vulva, vagina, penis, yeah. all of that. So people can understand that. And then you should allow your children to have body autonomy and agency. And so if you're a little kid and you don't want to hug someone or kiss someone, that is okay because you're teaching your child that their body is theirs. And my mom used to always say, 
your body is the only thing that you actually 100% own. I hear it's that. It's yours to give to people. Yeah. It's yours to take care of. And it's the only one that you have. Say so that. That's should, a fantastic. Yes, yeah, I love that. Yes, I love that. Yeah, so you should teach your children that, the value of their body and that, like the body agency, the consent, and start with that. And so as they go on in age, they're already learning because most of the time when people start talking to their children about sex, unfortunately, they more than likely have been exposed to it in some way. And so it's really important to always have those open communications and you can talk about it. Like I know like a lot of people around the age of elementary school, don't tell your kids the stork brought the baby. You don't necessarily have to go into very details. Like I know in some books, I'll call it like a special hug and all that stuff, just age appropriate and always being open and honest conversations. So they feel safe that they can come and talk to you about a lot of different things that happen. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I actually saw, uh, I think it was on, IG or TikTok or something. And there's a, a, a dad, he's a, a black father and he has a, a little boy and a little girl, I believe. And he talks to them, he showed them, um, I think it was like a scientific video or a, a biology video, whatever it was about how uh, sperm get to the egg and how it gets fertilized. And he goes through basically, and he has these conversations with these kids and he just records it. And I think it's so wonderful because it's not yeah. graphic at all like when in the idea of like what we're thinking like porno you know porn pornographic yeah. and stuff like that it's not that by any means it's scientific and he just he says it so well and i think that is something that we need to start to learn because yes. i don't think most people know how to even describe those things like you guys are talking about to yes. their kids nonetheless have it you know, like describe it to yourself or your friends right you yes. you don't really know how to do that and that that's a, another part of the education we don't learn it so we don't know how to teach it um, and I think that's a, a big issue. So, yes. And also, too, it's also important as well to not shy away from talking and teaching your children and adolescents that it feels good and people do it for the pleasure. And then also, too, going along with that, when you go into consent, when you're teaching children, it's OK to also tell them that if someone is inappropriately touching you and it feels good, that doesn't mean it's not wrong or that you didn't want it. Because then that even goes on to when you get to adulthood and stuff. There are orgasms that feel phenomenal. Then there are orgasms that don't feel good. Or there's forced, like there's just so many variables that go into sex and sexuality that we're not taught. But had, we had the basis and the foundation at a younger age that could help the bigger issues of the sexual violence, the rise in STIs and the unintended pregnancy. Yeah, I would agree with that. So... Do you think there are specific ways um, that family or guardians can actually help young women feel safe and comfortable discussing their bodies or discussing sexual experiences? Yeah, I definitely think by uh, letting them know that it's normal and it's okay to have these feelings and not coming from a place of shame when speaking about them. Like my mom would her talk about the body. She like oftentimes when people feel like if they talk about sex to kids too young, they're promoting promiscuity. And that's not true. Yeah. Like as a parent, you're your teach you're your kids' first teachers. And research has even shown that majority of the choices that adolescents and young adults make are based on the education and the information that they get from their parents. They're gonna believe who they come from more than anybody else out there externally. So if you make it normal conversations to talk about sex not have it, you know, surrounded about shame, with like what you see a lot of times in purity culture, which if you want to be abstinent, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. No one's like, I know, like that's part of healthy sexual health and yeah. education as well. That's a 
personal choice. But there's a lot of shame oftentimes surrounded it or telling people that it's bad or it's evil. And that's not the case. So if you come from a place of positivity when speaking about it, like it's a great thing or even letting them know, like my mom used to say to me and my sister, our bodies are a gift to give to people how we see fit and it shouldn't be forced on or anything like that. And she talked a lot about what we call mindful sex, like make sure you're doing it for all the right reasons. I love your and mom. So if, yeah. <laughs> so if you talk about it like that, that helps put it in a perspective of a healthy way, while also not what people like to say, promoting promiscuity or anything like that, where they feel like they should go out and make poor sexual choices. Yeah. And I think also like in, in the, the mindset of it, I'm thinking like myself as a parent, like I don't have kids. Right. So I've never no. had to have the birds and the bees conversation, but I'm thinking like, the uh, the parents that I've met, they usually have this, uh, it's like a hesitation. They feel uncomfortable, yes. right? There's a tension that you can feel when certain questions come up or when they realize that they have to start having this uncomfortable conversation, it, uncomfortable in their mind and body with their child, their little tiny child. Because I think the thing is people don't realize that sex can be a normal topic every day, right? It doesn't have to be something like, girl, let me tell you. Like, it doesn't have to be something so secretive or taboo. Um, Do you think there are ways that we can kind of help society in general come out of that? Yes. I mean, the best way to do it is honestly talk, talk, talk about it. And then we have to say it in a way where we're not... Uh, especially from a female perspective, we're not slut shaming people, right? Like we have to understand like everyone has a different walk of life. Like my favorite argument I've seen that kills me every time. While I will say I'm not promoting people to go off and have sex unresponsibly with like a hundred people, but they talk (laughs) about the looseness of the vagina. Your vagina is a muscle. It'll contract. And even after having a baby, there's exercise to bring back. But what is the difference between having sex a hundred times with one person and with a hundred different people, like when it Say comes that. to the yes. elasticity, there's not a difference. The only difference is, are you doing it responsibly? Like, are you getting the STIs and all that stuff? So just normalizing that people have different walks of life and they choose to define and do sexuality how they feel. And there's a space for everyone. So I think that's important. Yeah. So it's just talking about it and, you know, course correcting and relearning like things that we've learned and making sure shame is not a part of that conversation. 100%. So usually I would say, I mean, at least in my experience, solo sex is usually the first experience you have when it comes to sexuality and intimacy of whatever sorts, right? So what do you think are some tips for folks? We're going to talk about the adults, right? The young adults getting started with the solo sex, because I feel like People always talk about, oh, it's, you know, my, my, me and my partner, you know, whatever that yes. is. But I'm like, you don't talk about you first. So what are some tips for folks who are getting into or trying, you know, or hesitant about the solo sex? I love this. So this is one of my favorite things because not, there is so much with self-pleasure and masturbation. And I feel like self-pleasure should be a part of everyone's self-care routine. Absolutely. Because going back, it also has mental health benefits, has physical health benefits, and it improves your sex life. My whole thing is oftentimes, especially from a female perspective, we do all these things when we're about to go on a date with someone, right? So what if you take those elements and you date yourself? 
And so you start by, you know, doing what you like, like playing the sexy music, making yourself feel sexy, whatever that may look like. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it's the laundry and the sexy dress and the big hair and the makeup and all that stuff. Love it. Make yourself the meal that you want to eat or whatever interesting thing is that you like to do that brings you pleasure externally. So that way you're in a good, calm mindset. So when you go to the bedroom, then what you can do is have that sexy playlist or listen to that erotica or or watch the pornography or whatever that you might like and just kind of start. Your body has over 35 erogenous zones or pleasure spots. So really start to explore your body and really touch yourself everywhere and kind of see what feels good and understand that. And then also from there as well, I will say when it comes to like masturbation, like understand that you have more than your clitoris and your vaginal canal, like touch your labias, like your mouth, like everything. Like I had Jasmine Daniels on for an interview on my YouTube and she also wrote a blog that talks about how to pleasure a pussy. And like in that, she talks about the best ways to touch your anatomy Mm. and how to pleasure yourself from just orgasms to pleasure. And then also understand when you're exploring and understanding your body, that orgasm should not be the determinant of whether or not your masturbation session is good or even whether or not sex with a partner is good. It should be based on the enjoyment and the pleasure that you experience and making sure you understand what turns you on. And then from there, once you understand your body and exploration and stuff like that, you can communicate that with a partner because sex is a learned behavior. Like it's teachable and everyone is different. So you need to educate your partner on what brings you pleasure and be open and honest about it. Yeah. There definitely needs to be communication um, yes. in the bedroom. I don't I don't think you can actually safely, in any aspect no. of it, have sex uh, without communication. Even just, I agree. you know, you just the basics. Oh, no, maybe not that. Or, yeah, 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 do that. Yes. Keep, keep that up, right? There, I mean, just the basic communication. It doesn't have to be crazy. Like, people are talking, oh, do, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all that. Just basic communication yeah. that you use as we're talking today. Same type in the bedroom. So I would agree with that. So we, we talked about solo sex. Now let's kind of go to the couples or the partners, right? So what tips do you have for couples um, as they try to start to explore new experiences? So my favorite thing to always talk about is, so one of my favorite people, Sex with Emily, Dr. Emily Morris, she has the three T's. She talks about when you're wanting to talk about sex with a partner, it's timing, tone, and turf. So timing, the best time to talk about talk with a partner about sex is not in the bedroom, right? So Too you definitely want to, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then if it's something that you kind of like want to ease into, whether it's a good or bad, you just don't know how someone will respond and you don't want them to go into the bedroom or where you have sex and they have that bad thought in their mind. So they're just like, like season up and stuff like that. So timing is always important. Like, and then tone so you don't want to come off feeling like you're attacking someone you always want it to feel like it's just a conversation like you can always say oh well, I like when you do that so do more of that or like oh you know that time you did that that wasn't really my thing and maybe we can talk about you know how to make it better yeah, something sure. like that and then turf the best places people see that honestly these conversations do well is when people are on a walk with each other Interesting. Sitting out. Yeah. It's hmm. like sitting outside or anytime when there people seem to be more open yeah. to those conversations. Interesting. Also, yes. And then also too, our tastes change, right? The kinks we want to explore, the fantasies we have, all of that. So you should definitely sit down 
with yourself and then with your partner and do a yes, no, maybe list or what they'll call a want, will, and won't list. And what with that, what you'll do is you'll talk about what your no-goes are, what you want to try and what you absolutely love. And you can even make it into like a game with your partner, like have like a little cute, like date night and then do like, you can even pull out of a jar, like different things, like when it comes to different desires or fantasies you want to try and have conversation around that. And then if you're introducing a kink, our sex tour or anything, just be open and honest with the communication about it. And then if your partner seems apprehensive, ask them why about it and then see what parts that they might be willing to try. So you can start off slow and then ease into it. Like, let's say, for instance, you want to do bondage. Well, you can start with like, okay, well, let's just do where you hold your hands in place and you don't move them. And if you move them, then I'll do some edging, which is like elongate your like orgasm and stuff like pick a game with it. Then you go from there to the handcuffs or the silk ties and stuff like that. Like you can start off slow and ease into it. And then even with buying a sex toy, you can look up, research and educate online and then go into the store together and talk to a sex bird in there. See what toys they will recommend for partners and stuff like that. Um, And then like one of my favorite tips is also to like always have a debrief always check in with your partner. You don't have to say like a lot of men get into this activity of did you finish? Like, don't say that. Like, (laughs) wait, you know, afterwards and be like, so, you know, like, did you find it pleasurable? Like, what did you enjoy? Like, what is something that you want me to try more of? Stuff like that. Like, just the open communication and just being open-minded of trying different things. Because like I tell people, like, Hey, like I'll try it once or twice, maybe even three times yeah. to see if no, yeah, it's not for me. And of course, never yuck anyone's yum. Um, so like if they come with you with something like a kink or something, like I know there was a huge thing where one of the city girls with P. Diddy, she she liked golden showers. She liked to be pee on. Like, if that's not your thing, don't yuck them. Just yeah. be like, hey, you know, that might not be something that I feel comfortable doing. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. So. I like that. Well, you touch on actually a couple different things. So the links that you were talking about for your podcast, I'm going to make sure I let everybody know. We're going to go ahead and link those down below. But also um, Quiver. Now, Quiver is an app or a website. Um, it it actually goes with the, I think you said, might or open to, not open to, um, whatever that, that however you, you worded it. That actually uh, is on Quiver. Now, this is not sponsored by any means. It's just something I've used in the past with partners. And... I think it's very interesting because it it lets you know if you're like super open to something or if you're super not open to something, something that, you know, maybe I'm interested if you want to try it, but it has basically a range and it goes through, I think, 430 or 450 different kinks or, you know, things that you could be open to. So I think it's so interesting. Um, and that's that, that was funny that you mentioned it because I was like, oh, you know, actually they, you know, I have something like that that I've used before. Um, and I'll link that for anybody if they're interested. But yeah, it's it's very interesting. So the other thing I did remember about the last conversation, if you don't mind going back for me, is um, women's orgasms. Now, I think it's really funny because I read a, Now, I don't know how true this is, but I, I read it on Google. So, you know, everything on the Internet has to be real. Right. So. <laughs> so uh, it was saying that I think it was like 42 percent of women in their 30s have never had an orgasm. Um, from sex. And now, like I said, I don't know how true that is, but I thought it was very interesting because I have heard that from a few different women that, you know, it, it might, it hasn't happened yet. And they're well in their thirties. Yes. So yes, I've, I've read, I haven't read specifically, um, based on age range like that. There is a really good, uh, 
article on my website about Black women and pleasure written by Dr. Ashley Towns, who's an epidemiologist, and she does a lot of sexual health research and sexuality around Black women and sex. And there's one about the orgasm gap. So she has one that kind of breaks it down for AIDS for Black women. But I read that less than about around when they did a research study, about eight to 10% of women said they had never reached orgasm. And then also too, 18.7% of women can orgasm from vaginal penetration. So the other 80% have to have some type of clitoral stimulation. And then oftentimes a lot of people don't understand is the tip of the iceberg. What we see that external piece is just the tip of the iceberg. Your clitoris is actually internal and the tissue of it can extend all the way back to the anus and extends towards the vaginal canal and opening. And it's often where, too, where that spongy area is, which is called the G-spot, that's your clitoral tissue as well. And so what you'll learn, too, is that a lot of women who can experience vaginal penetration, it's because of where their clitoral tissue reaches from the vaginal canal and how close their external clitoris sits to the vaginal opening. So oftentimes when women can't experience or have issues with orgasm, it's because they need more clitoral stimulation. And then oftentimes too, for stronger orgasms, it's the G-spot stimulation. So what you'll, what you'll, what I've learned um, through research and everything is if you'll have a clitoral stimulation before it'll engorge and kind of have like a girl erection or, uh, and so your whole clitoris will become swollen and it makes it easier through vaginal penetrations and things like that to have a stronger and more intense orgasm as well. So oftentimes as women say they can't orgasm and it's not for any physical or medical reason, I would suggest trying to get like a rose toy or a clitoral stimulation air suction toy and using that and exploring their bodies with that. And that can also help. But then also too, once again, your mind is your biggest sex organ. So if you don't, if you have like any type of thing blocking that, whether it be trauma, shame, or you're just stressed out or overwhelmed, that's going to affect your ability to orgasm as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. So let's actually start talking about sexual confidence again, right? What are some ways that women can actually build the sexual confidence around the idea of discussing intimacy uh, with their partners? Yeah, so I always tell people, number one, like you have to discover your sexual self and what it means to be a sexual being. So that's like, how do you perceive sex? Like, what do you enjoy about sex? What don't you enjoy about sex? Like, what do you want your sex life to look like? Like, who is your sexy role model? Mine is Megan Good. I love like, it. Right? Love like, do it. you love yourself? Yeah. Like, you have to really sit down and do the work of starting. And you always have to start from a place of love. So if you don't love yourself, you don't like your body, and you don't understand your sexual motivations as to why you want to have sex or why you're having sex, then that's going to hurt when you go into the bedroom and have sex and how your sexual satisfaction is. Because your self-esteem and your sexual satisfaction are tied immensely together and can affect whether or not you have that earth-shattering sex life. So really sit down and understand who you are sexually, what your motivations are, and do you love yourself? Because that's going to really impact like your sexual confidence. And then going from there, number two, I always say is get to know yourself, your body and what pleases you. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier. Like have that sexy date with yourself, like start with what pleases you externally. Cause if you don't even know what pleases you externally, how are you going to start 
knowing what pleases you with your body and everything like that. So start off slow. So you kind of work your way into that. Then you masturbate, like touch yourself. Like does reading erotica turn you on? Is there a song that turns you on? My song is Walk by Cardi B and Megan. Yes. I hear that song. Say I'm immediately that. in the mood. <laughs> like, you know, gotta know all that stuff, right? Yeah. And um, what kinks are you interested in? One of my favorite ways to figure out like what kinks I might be interested in is like reading different types of genres and underneath um spicy romance erotica like do i read reverse harem to know about group sex like are there any books that deal with bdsm like reading kings impact play like any of those things like kind of just getting an idea of what might turn you on in that way and if you're into like you know pornography there's some great um pornography sites like there's king noir and jet setting jasmine they're on instagram for anyone that wants more like black centric um, ethical pornography and then there's Belessa for more female friendly pornography that you can watch because oftentimes it's from the male gaze yeah. but these two yeah. are more centered around like you know sexuality from the black perspective yeah. and then sexuality from the female perspective I like that and then also too from there safely explore and educate yourself on your sexual interest um, like how are you keeping how are you staying safe like how are you talking with partners about consent like what barrier methods are you using? Are you getting the STD testings? Are you doing the disclosures and asking your partners? What birth control methods? And my favorite thing that people never talk about, what are your deal breakers and intimate partners and lovers? I dated this man in my 20s and he was like, what are your deal breakers? And I was like, deal breakers? He was uh-huh. like, yeah, like, what don't you like in men? Like sexually, romantically, or anything. He says, men have their deal breakers. He said, it could be the dumbest thing. As <laughs> I want a girl with blonde hair. And he says, they won't change them for anything. Yeah. Whereas women will let men push them and change them. So have your deal breakers and stick with them when it comes to your intimate partners and lovers. And making sure having the conversation of how do you need them to show up for you in and out of the bedroom. Like we talk a lot about situationships and hookups and that is not a place just because it's casual for someone to disrespect you, mistreat you or act like your pleasure doesn't matter. Like that doesn't, that it's still a relationship. That's why we're kind of moving towards in the sexual wellness community, calling it a lovership because um, I mean, yes, you can have sex with people without wanting a relationship but you can't have sex without emotions being involved yeah because with people intimacy, try it all the time though yes <laughs> <laughs> with intimacy there's with intimacy and physical touch there's yeah. gonna be some type of emotion yeah there. like we're emotional beings yeah. like, i it, mean it, let's be real not, right yeah it's not so make sure you have that information and know and then understand as well my favorite is understand sex is a mutual experience of pleasure and enjoyment and have those honest and open communications with your partners before the clothes even come off about sex expectations. But then also, too, you have to tamper down your expectations as well and understand like someone might not have the same interest as you. And that's OK. And then also, as women, oftentimes we need to normalize, you know, walking away like it's OK if you if that person like, let's say they don't want to use a condom or they don't want to try something and that might be something that's a deal breaker for you in or out the bedroom. It's okay to be like, you know, there are other people out there for me because oftentimes you'll see with women, they'll be like, okay, well I'll do this and maybe he'll like me. Or if I don't have the conversation, but I act this way, then maybe, you know, it'll be okay. And it's okay to normalize something not working, whether it's in the bedroom or out of it. And then lastly, the build sexual confidence, 
incorporate self-pleasure and getting into the mood and your self-care routine the way you do your face yes, mask, yeah you might journal stuff like that like sit with yourself and our you know every so often like i said earlier like our kinks fantasies what turns us on changes like decide you know what maybe i'll explore my breasts today and see if anything like that turns me on or explore i know some people they want to try out anal stuff there's anal toys and like different stuff that you can do there as well like you know just have that be a part or maybe i'll try a different version of erotica or a different genre in the porn that i watch or something like that so that's how i would say to start kind of trying to build that sexual yeah, I love that. So let's actually get into a couple of those things, right? So let's start with sexual education. So where can women go for sexual education? So there's this website you pay one time and I'll give you the link to it. It's called, I want to say it's called, oh my gosh, yes. And in there, it has a lot of female driven and you'll pay one time a hundred dollars and it's like for a lifetime. And you can go in and from sex therapists and sexual health educators, you can learn how to pleasure yourself like the different types of like couple sex tips and stuff like that about your anatomy, things like that. Um, That's also a good source. And then also there's some really good books. Like if you're trying to get into like loving your body and feeling comfortable in your body as sexual being, there's like your body is not an apology. That's a good book. Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski. That's a good book to learn about your sexuality. There's just so many books out there. Like you can go on and type in human sexuality. Another good one that I love is girl boner as well um that's another good book to learn um and then also too like i know a lot of great sexual health educators on instagram trying to put the information out there like ask goody um the vagina liberator by uh jasmine daniels um the nj sex therapist um pretty sexucated like there's so many people out there like social media is your friend books are your friend like there's just lots of stuff and then just really taking all that information and definitely deciding okay what does your road of sexual awakening look like and what does that path and journey look like for you based on the information you've collected yep and understanding that it doesn't have to look like the next person right exactly huge yes yep so, and you actually gave us some book recommendation, recommendations, which I'll definitely make sure I link um, in the description, but also you didn't mention any of the romantic or the erotic book recommendations. So what are your oh, top three? Yes. Okay. If you are just now easing into erotica, I'll give stuff from like a beginner perspective. I will say A Worthy Love by A. Valdez. That's a good one. I'll say... Um, one of my favorite series I'll say is, um, the Crossfire series. So if you, whether you liked Fifty Shades of Grey, you didn't like Fifty Shades of Grey, the Crossfire series has some of the same elements and that's a good one. Um, another one is the Breathless series by Maya Banks that does with a lot of like BDSM and billionaire, like romantic partners. I really like that one. And then if you want to get like real into like kinky, that gives you all the butterflies, I say from the heart to the clit. Yeah. Then I'll say the Cinderella trilogy by Kay Webster. Interesting. I love it. Okay. So uh, like I said, I'll make sure all of that is in the description. Now let's kind of get into you and your brand, right? So if you could describe, I know you have a podcast, so go ahead and describe your podcast to us. Okay. So I have so I technically have two different podcasts. So my first one is Lala's Bedtime Tells Erotic Stories. 
And what I do is I create audio eroticism. So I'll write erotic short stories that deal with people of different sexualities, different ethnicities, different bodies. And with that, I'll do like a little sexy story and then I'll play it to a soundtrack of music as well as sound effects to kind of give the visualization and help with the mental health and the sexual health benefits. And then also as well, and I, I released like one or two stories a month on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So definitely give that a follow so you'll know when they're coming out. And then my other one is the Intercourse Discourse. And I have sexual health educators, mental health experts, um, sexual health coaches, um, sex therapists, everyone come on. And we talk about different topics that pertain to female sexuality, women wellness, and relationship advice. I love that. Okay, so let's talk about your brand in general. When people look at your brand or you find you on Instagram or YouTube, what do you want them to take away from that? I want them to take away from that that it is perfectly normal and it's absolutely amazing to feel sexy in your own skin and that regardless of what you decide your sexuality looks like you own it you love it and you live unapologetically by it say that as long as you are being safe and it's consensual then it is amazing i want people to walk away and understand that sex is an amazing enjoyable and pleasurable act i love it Wonderful. So I know we're about to wrap up, but before we go, I wanted to know if you have any advice for any individuals out there who are lacking some self uh, some sexual confidence and self-confidence, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, when it comes to exploring their bodies. Yes. So uh, my biggest tip is to with that is to, like I say, do the self-work, come from a place of love and really sit down with yourself. And ask yourself, do you love yourself? Do you accept your body and understand that your body is yours? And also as well, um, what are your sexual motivations? And if you could sit down and have your ideal sex life, what would that look like? And understand that you are beautifully made, you are amazing, and anyone that you gift your body to you're giving them a gift and you're deserving of the most pleasure and love that you can receive in any romantic or sexual experience that you have. I love that. Well, Miss Lala loves. Thank you so, so much for being on the Next Stop Nonstop podcast. When I tell you, you dropped like so many gems. I'm like, I think I learned like a whole bunch. I said, okay, well, I got to go to that link. I got to read this book. Wait a minute now, right? So I, I appreciate you for spending some time with me. Um, can you let the uh, Next Up Nonstop family know where they can find you on, I believe it was YouTube, your website, as well as Instagram or um, TikTok, Facebook? Yes. So I am. So the best way to get in contact with me are finding my stuff is my website and it's lalasbedtimetales.com. And then I'm very active on YouTube, which is Lala's Bedtime Tales. And then my Instagram is at Lala's Bedtime Tales and my Facebook. And if you want to do like a sexy seven-day challenge with a self-pleasure tracker to really kind of get more comfortable with your body, I have a free download of that in my links that you can use. And then if you want to shop for sex toys but you don't know where to start, I also have a free sex toy guide that you can I love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, and I cannot wait for you guys to reach out and let her know that you heard about her from the Next Time Nonstop podcast. 
If you have any questions or want to leave me a voicemail, you can go to anchor.fm slash nonstop slash message. And I'll leave that link in the description as well. If you're still rocking with me right now and you're not already subscribed to the Next Stop Nonstop podcast, what you waiting for? Don't be shy. Poke that subscribe button so that you don't miss the next episode. Nonstop.